0: And I have man blues so this episode is going to be difficult but we'll see if we can get through it it's about pregnancy and fatherhood okay so why is it about pregnancy and fatherhood here's the thing man blues is about men talking about their own issues with mental health it's about men talking about what they're going through and it's about men being able to speak about these things, that, that's all it is, it's literally just about having a voice to talk about what you're going through, to talk about what you're thinking, to talk about what's worrying you. Now, when she comes to you to tell you that she's pregnant, there are a number of things that go through your mind. There are also a number of things that are going through her mind, not all of which are justified, um, and not all of which are correct but I'm sure you know what they are the main one being that she's afraid that you're going to run off and leave her alone with it this is a stereotype I cannot abide by it but the problem with the stereotypes and cliches is they are based in fact um, men do this men are horrible for doing this um, men just want to have their fun and walk away they don't want to face any responsibility and so on so of course my wife knew about this trope she was well versed in this situation she knew exactly what men could do She felt she knew how I would react, but she was unsure. So she took a photograph to prove that she was positive on the pregnancy test, just in case my reaction was, don't believe you. Well, I did believe her. I had no reason not to believe her because, you know, at this point when she announced she was pregnant, we'd been together for four years. I had no reason not to believe her because why wouldn't I? But the point was, I didn't run away I wasn't afraid of what I was seeing I wasn't scared by what she was telling me I was you know there was trepidation and that would be a lie to say I wasn't scared and that's what I want to tap into in this episode so dealing with them in two separate stages you've got pregnancy and you've got fatherhood so pregnancy happens first fatherhood happens second Um, so the pregnancy okay so women go through the most there is no there is no question in my mind and i am not going to suggest anything otherwise but the women do all of the heavy lifting throughout the pregnancy all the men are there to do is to support her and whatever she needs and to help her get through it because it is not a fun time for her however it wasn't a fun time for me either now not because of any reasons Um, to do with her or her behavior or you know these kind of hormonal things that she had and all the ups and downs and all the rest of it no not that it was the fact that I just felt completely helpless I didn't know what to do I didn't know how I could make her feel better essentially I became a glorified gopher Uh, I mean I tell this story gleefully because it just makes me laugh one afternoon at work it was a Friday afternoon She rang me and um, asked me to pick up, on the way home, a six-pint bottle of milk. So, driving home, skipped into the supermarket, picked up the six-pint bottle of milk, brought it home, handed it to her, put it in the fridge, everything was great. Uh, Monday morning, 10.30, so this was Friday afternoon at four o'clock, she rang me. And I picked up the milk that night on the Friday. The following, so there was the Friday evening, Saturday all day, the Sunday all day, the Monday morning around 10.30, I got another phone call telling me that we need more milk. Those of you who are jumping to conclusions are probably thinking that I helped myself to the lion's share of that milk. Wrong. Throughout the entire pregnancy, I stopped eating breakfast cereals and I stopped drinking milk because she was drinking it at such a rate that I felt guilty for taking the milk away from her. That's what it is. Pregnancy for the man is mostly guilt because whatever you do or whatever you don't do is impacting on her. And that's how I felt for nine months. Oh, actually, no, scrap that. It's not nine months, is it, guys? And girls. Girls are dealing with it for nine months because you've got the, you've got the first four weeks, while well, you're waiting for your period, but then after those four weeks have passed and you don't have your period, then you think, oh, crikey, I've missed my period. But for the men, a month has gone, and then you do the pregnancy test, and then another month passes because you want to make sure. So you do the pregnancy test eight weeks, whatever, you're not allowed to tell people until 12 weeks because that's the sort of the window of opportunity, if you will. And Things can go wrong in the first 11 weeks. And in fact, we're testament to that uh, because my wife and I were already pregnant back in 2001 however due to stresses in her job and various other bits and pieces I don't fully understand the science and it was explained to me in German because we were in Germany but it was something to do with the body didn't release the right kind of fruits and enzymes at the right time to support the fetus and she had missed her period and we got to 11 weeks and we didn't even know why because she thought it was just a stress thing from work then she goes to the gynaecologist the gynaecologist said oh no um you've got a basically a, a dead fetus inside you we need to remove it anyway so we'd already gone through this and we hadn't even we hadn't even got the slightest clue that we were pregnant and um, and i say we were pregnant and um, that's obviously also not a thing because what does the man do what does the man do during a pregnancy do you know what the glorified butler anyway so 12 weeks has gone by that's three whole months so you don't have nine months to prepare chaps you have about six months to prepare because i started to feel that acutely throughout those six months of after we were telling people that we were pregnant she was pregnant but started to feel it because I'm thinking right well now we need to buy the cot we need to buy the crib we need to buy the ba- bassinet we need to get all the bits and pieces and people start handing you gifts and stuff and it's really great but that six months is a really short space of time especially when there's a lot going on in the household but yeah that was that was the thing with the pregnancy however What she was going through, she did have the ups and downs of the hormones and there was a few bits and pieces where, you know, in these stories neither one of us come out of it very well, so I'm not going to tell them. It's just to get to the point that throughout the whole pregnancy I was nervous, I was worried, I was um, feeling guilt and all sorts of things. And also the worries I had were very, very dark and I had nobody with whom I could talk about it, which was a massive problem, I'll get onto those later and then suddenly the, the day of the, uh, the birth arrives you know again funny stories that I can tell about those and I'm quite happy to do those in a completely separate episode because they are funny stories they're genuinely uplifting and beautiful stories anyway day of the birth I'm nervous as hell uh, we went to the hospital at four in the morning and um, it was announced around three or four in the afternoon so approximately eleven twelve hours after being in labor that we were going to be going for a c-section everything was okay However, because at the time, and this was in 2004, at the time the NHS stance on C-sections was you needed a week to recover. Okay, so, as you can imagine, what an anticlimax for a father. That you're there that day, they put the baby in your arms and you're talking to your brand new child and then blah, blah, blah and all the rest of it. And then you're watching your wife being sewn up um, and, you know, they're battling her around and she was out of her mind on drugs. She was talking absolute crap. Again, I'll put this in the other episode. And then suddenly, mother and baby are wheeled away from you. You you get shown where they are in the ward. You then get told visiting time is over. And you get in your car and you drive home. And then there's just you for a week. Left to your own devices. Left to your own thoughts. Um, And that was a really, really dark time for me. Because, you know, first of all, I haven't got a clue. Don't know what the hell is going on. Don't know what the hell we're going to do. I kept looking around the house thinking, is it child safe? So then, after the week, I um, brought my wife home, brought the baby home, baby was asleep in the um, car seat, put the car seat on the chair, and we both just looked at one another and went, right, what now? Great. So that's, that's what fatherhood was like in terms of the first day home. Now, okay, so let's, let's sort of cover some of the thoughts that I had during the pregnancy. Um, they're pretty obvious, if you think about it. My first worry was, they both die. These are genuine concerns I had. They both die. So I rush them into hospital, complications, both die. Then you think, no, no, that's not going to happen. But then another idea starts rattling around in your brain and you kind of go, right, well, she's going to die, but the baby's going to survive. Well, okay. And then I thought, well, hang on a minute. If that happens, I'm going to look at that baby one day and go, you killed my love, you killed my life, and I'm going to resent the baby for it a dark thought to have rattling around in your head okay and then you get the third one which is that the baby dies which you can kind of you can kind of cope with it together but of course my brain wouldn't let me have something as nice as the two of us coping with something together and coming out stronger at the other side of it and our love being greater and stronger for one another no 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 what my brain did was my brain said baby dies she can't cope She resents me. We break up. For nine months. These thoughts going through my mind. Correction, eight months. Going through my mind. Ever since she told me she was pregnant. Round and round and round. She's going to die. They're going to die. It's going to die. We're going to break up. All day long. Every single day. Every time I saw her. And the problem is, I couldn't tell anybody. Because as soon as I would say to her... Or even want to suggest to her about talking about something like that and burdening her with a problem she's not emotionally able to cope with because she's going through her own stuff. So you can imagine that was a pretty dark eight months for me. Then, baby's born and I can't sleep very well at night because I'm convinced we're going to have a cot death. I'm convinced something's going to happen during the night. I'm convinced something awful Every single morning I was leaping out of bed to check the baby was still breathing. Moreover, I was unable to fall asleep until I was able to hear the baby breathing. Now, for the first few months, well, first year, actually, the baby was in our room with us because we had a small house. The baby was in our room with us. But I would lie in bed and I would hold my breath waiting to hear the baby breathe. Twelve months every night 365 nights unable to fall asleep and unable to relax for fear of something terrible happening and again it's not something you can talk to your partner about because your partner is also potentially having the same thoughts and does not want to voice them and why would they want to voice them there is just nobody i could talk to about this there's no one i could turn to Because the problem, as I've explained in a couple of episodes already, is that men don't talk to men about problems that men are facing, unless it's problems at work or someone's being a prick or whatever, but if you want to talk about emotional stuff, men just aren't there for men. That's what this podcast is supposed to be about. At the moment it's very cathartic for me, but I would like to get some guests on and talk to them about what they've been going through and maybe push some ideas past them. But that's the self-help section for this episode, is genuinely find someone to talk to. And if that person doesn't want to talk to you about what you're going through with your pregnancy maybe they're not a good friend and you need to find someone else and I know that's difficult but it was it was terrible and the worst part about your wife being pregnant and all the things that she's going through is she's pregnant and going through that because of you you did that to her um, I mean I have glibly said when people have said oh congratulations to my wife about being pregnant I've kind of like yeah don't forget what you know my little part in this was but you know the man does have a role to play in this and by that I didn't mean the fact that you know one night in June or whenever it was um I deposited something and then of that she she did everything else no I mean about the fact that the the mere fact that she's standing up in front of you dressed in some sort of way and looks relatively put together is because of the fact I've been helping out I've been getting her shoes, I've been tying her shoelaces, I've been helping her put her socks on when she was massive and she got massive massive it was huge. My son, when he was born, was four and a quarter kilos in weight, which is just over nine pound, nine pound two ounces. That is massive. And she had breasts like footballs. Um, she had to sleep with a pillow between her legs. It was just frightening. And that's the other thing as well. Uh, I, you know, I genuinely thought it would be. You know, she, she was the the picture of motherhood she absolutely looked and she was glowing and rosy and you name it but my goodness it frightened me when she rolled over in bed and i saw this huge thing rolling towards me and i am a big guy at the time i was really overweight massive weight issues and her belly was rivaling mine and it, it frightened me but yeah, so uh, the positivity to come from this is obviously fatherhood is brilliant. Um, however, obviously, the other side to it is is that as a father, you're um, you're always second. You're always second best. Dads always get things given to them to fix and to pay for. Uh, mums get shouted for when the child isn't feeling very well or has had a nightmare. Now, my son and I bonded in a very different way when it came to things like that because my wife used to work here. She used to teach in the evenings, uh, two nights a week. Um, and there was a series of issues over a period of weeks where my son would wake up so sort of around 10 o'clock at night and he would be in like fits of night terrors that was all caused by trapped wind so what I would have to do is I would have to sit him up on my lap and just rock him backwards and forwards but he was hallucinating and it's the scariest thing I've ever been through because he was he was looking at me he was staring right at me but he didn't like what he saw what he saw was very scary and he, he was like one one time he was reaching out with a shaking hand and he, he sort of touched my face and so i had to sort of point out something in the room to him or point out a bathroom light and say look look can you see down the hall there's a the bathroom light and then he would suddenly wake up and then you'd get this little burp which smelled terrible and then i'm kind of oh, oh, oh that's horrible really bad sort of smell like broken drains And then suddenly he'd just be, and he'd fall asleep in my arms, and I'd lay him down in bed, and that was it. It was gone. He just had a bit of trapped wind, but it gave him the worst night terrors. That's pretty tricky. I dealt with that on my own. But here's the mad thing with it. Um, You get to a stage very, very quickly with stuff like that where, oh, it's happening again. I know exactly what I did last time. Uh, Very little changes. Let's just have a look around. There we go. Fantastic. Worked it out. Put him back to bed. So that one evening when my wife wasn't teaching through half term or whatever, and it happened... Um, And he had these night terrors, and and we had the little baby monitor on, and we heard these awful noises, and I was like, oh, right, okay, and I was taking my time getting upstairs, and she was pushing me out of the way, and I was like, no, 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 don't worry, it's good, I've got this, so I made her stand at the door of his bedroom while I dealt with it, so that she could see what to do, and that was the first time, throughout the whole of it, that my wife turned to me and said, so you are good for something. Not in a bad way, but what she meant was she wouldn't have known how to deal with that situation at all, but for the fact that I'd worked through it at least 20 times by the time she saw it. So, you know, fathers do matter in much the same way that mothers matter. Um, It is difficult being a father because you always feel as though you're a bit further down the pecking order, uh, and you are further down the pecking order, and as your children get older, I mean my son's 18 now, um, I'm literally seen as a chef and a wallet, for now, for now I'm seen as a chef and a wallet, and that's okay, because I've been saying for at least the past maybe eight years or so, about sort of half his life, I've been saying that we can no longer teach him anything, he now has to learn, and that's a massive, massive difference and you know, he's, he's just done his A-levels, he's getting ready to go to university or take a year out or look for a new job or pass his driving test, or whatever it is. Can't teach him any of that now. He now needs to learn on his own. So as far as the self-help section for the podcast is concerned, all I can recommend to you is please talk to someone about what you're going through. Just open your mouth and talk. And if the person's not responsive to your talking, find somebody else. I'm Leon Dex and I'm an amazing father. But I'm worried every single day for about two years and didn't tell anyone. Sad times. Thank you very much. If you're affected by anything discussed on this podcast, please reach out to someone for help and support. Man Blues is not qualified to help, but we can listen. You can get in touch with us here at ManBlues. The email address is manblues at gmx.com. And we're also available on Twitter, which is at ManBluesUK. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again.